being from Boston, I'm sure you know all about the Salem witch trials. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden they started screaming, you are a lawyer. It was like the Salem witch house. You're a witch. You're a lawyer. You are a lawyer. And I'm like, me? No, I would have been a lawyer, but I got married and pregnant at a young age. And my, and my son has autism. There's no way I was going to law school. So then the Austin goes, and you are a Tawetis. And I went, huh? <laughs> a what? I'm Scott Kahn, and this is The Orthodox Conundrum. This is the Orthodox Conundrum on JewishCoffeeHouse.com. I'm Scott Kahn. Yael Braun is a Tawanet Halacha, someone who works in the Jewish court system, or Beitin, in order to advocate on behalf of her clients. In fact, she said that she's the only Tawanet Halacha in the United States. As you'll hear throughout this podcast, I was pretty ignorant about what a Tawanet's role is. You'll hear my sort of embarrassing questions in this episode. But alongside telling stories and explaining the importance of her job, Yael presented a rather hopeful picture of a number of different issues. She has had a very positive experience in her interactions with Hasidish Bateidin. Unlike the stereotypes I've heard too often, she has been warmly accepted and encouraged by the Dayanim or judges. Moreover, she has also seen progress on the issue of get refusal ever since the Free Chava movement began, a movement in which she played a role too. I'm sure that you'll find this interview as encouraging and entertaining as I did. Before we begin, I'd like to remind you to please subscribe to The Orthodox Conundrum on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. Please like The Orthodox Conundrum page on Facebook and join and participate in The Orthodox Conundrum discussion group on Facebook. We have some fantastic discussions there, so check it out today. I'd also like to ask you to become a Jewish Coffeehouse patron on Patreon. Just click on the link in the description of this podcast and you can get bonus episodes, JCH merch, and more. You'll get special episodes on all sorts of topics that are only available to subscribers, including a video version of this very podcast, and you'll be helping Jewish Coffeehouse spread our message of a welcoming, intellectually engaged, and honest orthodoxy. It's just a few dollars a month, and you can cancel at any time. We're looking forward to your joining the Jewish Coffeehouse team. Finally, do you have a message that needs to get out? Do you want to reach hundreds or even thousands of listeners? The best way is by producing a podcast, and Jewish Coffeehouse can make it happen. I have experience producing hundreds of podcasts, both for myself and for clients. Whether you want to learn everything you need in one day, or record and relax and let us do the heavy lifting, JCH Productions will work with you to make it happen and make it even better than you imagined. Let us help you today. Write to me at scott at jewishcoffeehouse.com or go to jchpodcast.com, that's jchpodcast.com, to learn more and to sign up for a free consultation. Make your voice heard, promote your cause, sell your product, and engage your audience today. Mrs. Yael Braun is an advocate and the first Hoenet in the United States. In addition to fiercely representing her clients in Beit Din, Mrs. Braun flawlessly bridges the gap between Rabbanim, Askanim, mediators, arbitrators, attorneys, and her clients. Yael Braun is widely acknowledged as an unmatched champion for the rights of her clients. With her deep compassion, unwavering attention to detail, and creative mind, she navigates her clients through the unsettling time of getting divorced. Yael Braun, thank you for joining me today on the Orthodox Conundrum Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm very excited, too, because please tell me if I'm wrong. You are the first and maybe only Toenet or Toenes in the United States. Is that true? Yes, it's true. Which one? First or only? Um, only. I mean, to my only. knowledge, I'm the only one. Yeah. Well, then in that case, can you define what a Toenet is? Yes. 
a toanet is, I mean, really the best way to explain it is like a lawyer, but only in the rabbinical court system. Um, so obviously I'm not an attorney, but I do represent my clients in Besden or Beit Din. I know that we're fine. Okay, good. <laughs> Where are you right now? Where are you in Lakewood, the Lakewood, New Jersey? Lakewood, New Jersey. So yeah. Beit Din is fine. Okay, thank you. Because it's very hard for me. To... It's all good. <laughs> so um, I represent my clients in Besden. I also... Besides that, obviously represent them in mediation outside of Besden. If there's another towing, sometimes we'll negotiate, you know, for our clients, I do a lot of negotiations. I advocate a lot. Is this only divorce cases or other cases that also go to Besden? I, so sometimes I'll deal with business stuff, you know, real estate, but I really don't like to do it because first of all, my passion is matrimonial and it's a lot to learn all the halachos in terms of real estate and business. It's just, I don't have enough time in the day to get that done too. <laughs> well, then in that case, let's talk about your training. You're not a lawyer. Is that correct? Correct. I'm not a lawyer. So how did you become a Tawenet? How did that happen? What's your training? How are you qualified to do it? Okay. So it's a very funny story. So I was a paralegal. Um, my father's an attorney, has his own firm in the city, uh, Manhattan, the city. No, I understand. Okay. I wasn't sure. <laughs> I know you know, but I don't know if your listeners know. I'm from Boston, so I'm offended by the city I being New York. Boston. Oh, okay. Welcome to the club. My best friend went to law school there, so I used to visit her. Okay. (laughs) Um, So I was a paralegal for my father. On top of that, I got divorced very young. I got married when I was 20, and I got divorced with a baby at 23. And my parents also got divorced when I was 19, 20. So with all of that going on, you know, people would reach out to me and say, hey, what's an arbitration agreement? Or do you mind looking over my agreement to see if it's fair. And I would say, sure, I don't mind. I loved helping. So I would look it over, you know, paperwork was my jam being, you know, paralegal. That's literally Mm -hmm. what we do. We're buried in paperwork. Um, But I also had a few other liberties as the boss's daughter. I would go to meetings. I would speak to clients. I would watch him in action, which was like, to me, the most incredible thing because my dad is known as like the sweet teddy bear. But when he's in court, he's known as the moms are huggadol. (laughs) <laughs> so, <laughs> so then they started calling me in the mom's era, Sekutana. So that was like very exciting for me. So nice. Such yeah, an honor. so nice. It's okay. I started, I was just called a, mach, um, a machshefa. So my dad calls me his machshefala. So <laughs> <laughs> we're real runners here. <laughs> Does any lawyer have a greater dream than that? No. <laughs> to my, fa- my father, I had someone message me once. She goes, oh, so your new name is machshefa bas mamzer hagadol. So after my father heard that, it was like, you would think I told him that I went, got into Harvard and it was just really for the fun. listeners. That means which, if you yeah. haven't figured that out. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> that they used to kill. <laughs> so That's a different podcast. Right. <laughs> I said, sure. No problem. I'm happy to help. I know this stuff. It's easy. Went through it myself and slowly, but surely, you know, I would get calls from random people, you know, a friend's cousin's ex-husband, sister, I mean, really random and it snowballed. And then my sister-in-law got divorced and she was getting just obliterated. So I started helping her. And then people would ask me, Hey, like women would ask me, Hey, would you come with me to Besden? It's really scary. Um, you know, it's like me and a bunch of men. And I'd be like, sure. I don't care. Like I grew up with my father, like big rabbis really don't scare me. First of all, they're all his clients. So I already know all their skeletons. And then on top of that, you know, I just don't get intimidated. So probably because I wasn't brought up from. So for me, it's like, whatever I would go with them. So then there was 
one time where I went to just be supportive over a friend, quote unquote, right. and they agreed on no towings and no lawyers. So the husband in the case brought like an Askin from the community who was just like, I don't know, going to town. And I was like, no, 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 Wait, no I thought no. they said no toy, no lawyer. I, Is that how he got out of it by right, having so someone who's unofficial? Was there to be, it was like unofficial. He was just there to be his friend, I guess, and decided to speak up. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, hell no. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. So then, of course, I opened up my own mouth. And being from Boston, I'm sure you know all about the Salem witch trials. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, they started screaming, you are a lawyer. It was like the Salem witch trials. You're a witch. You're a lawyer. You are a lawyer. And I'm like, me? No, I would have been a lawyer, but I got married and pregnant at a young age. And my, and my son has autism. And there's no way I was going to law school. So then the Austin goes, and you are a Tawetis. And I went, huh? <laughs> a what? So at Maybe first I so. was laughing. I mean, I, so I started laughing because we were in Williamsburg. Everyone was super Hasidish. And I was like, that is hilarious. So then the, of Bezin, you know, the, the Diane said, okay, we need to take a break. You know, it's not fair that the missus brought in counsel. You know, this is not a fair fight what he really said mm-hmm. so um we need to give the other side time to bring somebody else in so i looked at the rabbi the rav actually he's a rabbi dying he's a dying but he's also he's a rabbi he has chasidim so i looked at him and i said what are you what i'm not a lawyer like what are you talking about i was i started laughing when the askin said to because like that doesn't exist in my mind right I didn't even know they had them in Israel. That's how much they didn't exist. Right. So the Rebbe looks at me and he said, listen, you either got it or you don't. You got it. There's no school for towings. You know, it doesn't exist. And what you, you could really help a lot of people. I said, is that your Haskama? As a joke, full on joking. And he goes, yeah. I said, really? Is this the Hasidic Rebbe in Williamsburg? Yeah. So I said, are you kidding me? He said, well, they have an Eretz Israel. Why not? There's no law against, you know, a Toenis. So I got, I got home, I looked at my husband and I told him what happened and he started laughing and he said, that's amazing. So new, you, you're a Tawanis now. So I said, do me a favor, call the Rebbe, talk to him because I don't know if was I- Was he serious? Was yeah, it a joke? Like, exactly. Was he joking around? I mean, he doesn't, he, it doesn't seem like the joke. At, to my mind, he didn't seem like the joking type. You know, he had the Becca shirt with the fur, the whole nine yards and the socks so my husband said, okay, I'll give him a call. My husband gave him a call and he came back and said, okay, I spoke to the Rebbe and he was serious. And so I said, okay, I guess I'll do it. And then I don't know how it happened, but from one day to the next, it just got insane. And here I am. And you studied from that point on the halachot and how to put it all together well, in legal it terms. To be, it happens to be that I knew a lot beforehand it's actually very funny. I went to Mayanot. Um, in Israel. In Israel, Lubavitch Seminary. We learned a lot. We learned Gemara. We, we learned tons. So I already had, and I went to seminary before that as well. And I was always very into learning. It was just something that I always loved to do. So it happened to be, I did have a lot of knowledge going into it just because I was always very interested. And then after, you know, after being told that, you know, this is what I, you know, I could do. I started taking my learning very seriously. So then I started really, you know, getting into halacha and 
really in terms of Gittin, there aren't a lot of halachos. It's, there's just not. Um, so you're kind of, the, the trick is to how to make it work for your case and to find that random loophole that people might have overlooked in the past or because you're really using the same thing over and over again, just in, different, just in a different way to make it apply to your case. So I'm very lucky. My husband, my father, my father-in-law. This is your second um, husband. Yes, my second. Yes, I got remarried six years ago. Thank God. And I'm very, very lucky that I have a lot of Dayanam and Rabbanam who have backed me, who have really like gone for it. You know, before I even decided, even before the Rebbe, when the Rebbe gave me his, I guess, quote unquote, Haskama, I spoke to a few different Rabbanam that, you know, we're close with as in my family. And they were like, go for it. You got to do it. You're your da- your, da- your, your, your father's daughter. Go for it. And I mean, so, this is so interesting because I'm sure so many listeners are assuming that in the Hasidic world, in the Lakewood world, they would be so against the idea of a woman becoming a Toenis, the whole idea of woman learning. That's not fair necessarily. You're saying it's not fair. You're saying they actually were fully supportive. I, I have to tell you, it's not fair because not only are they supportive, they I have never once ever gotten a dirty look. Um, told I can't be in that Besden. I do almost, I would say I do 95% of my um, litigation either in Bez- in Lakewood or in Borough Park slash Williamsburg. And they have been nothing but warm and accommodating kind. And Crown Heights also, I'm Crown Heights all the time. Everyone has been so accepting. That's so interesting. So the Hasidish worlds, the yeshivish worlds, they have no problem. Zero. Zero. Oh, that's really interesting. Wow. That's and also other toys, because there is kind of like a boys club. You know, there is a group of towings. There's the OGs who've been around for 40 years who've been doing it. Well, they can you have- define a towing then? Is he doing the oh, same thing that you do? It's, it's what I do. Yeah. It's basically just, you know, lawyers in Besden. So wait a minute. For all this time, you're the only towingette in America. Yeah. But there are plenty of guys who are a towing. And so right. men come in with their tons. Tons. Yeah. There's so a like, guy oh, shows oh. up with a towing. And a woman, until you're there or in any other community, shows up with nobody? No, they show up with their own towing, with a man. Oh, they show up with a man. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they show up with a man. I mean, all of them, like the OGs who've been doing it for 40 years, have been so, so kind. And so, I don't know if they find me nuts or <laughs> or if they find me just like so adamant. I don't know what they think, but they've been so nice to me, so warm and welcoming. We give each other cases. Sometimes I'll hear a case. I'll think that there's a towing who's better suited for this, for this certain mm-hmm. case, or if there's a conflict for me, um, I'll send, you know, a case their way. They'll do the same to me plenty of times. It's, it's like a little, it's like a little club. Well, in that case, have you ever worked for a man, the male side, the guy who's getting divorced, uh, yeah, the husband? So as a towenist, you're not just working for women, you're working for men and women both. Yeah. I oh. work for everybody. I mean, listen, I'll be honest with you. I do. I do have certain standards that I hold both my, I mean, both male and female clients. I will not, re- listen, everyone deserves counsel. That is 100%, but I myself have boundaries. So I number like one, I, so I won't represent a get refuser. This is not mm-hmm. going to happen. And I will not deal with somebody who is abusive. The problem is for me, because I'm a woman, I'm looked at differently not to the people I deal with, I know, but to everybody else. And I have my own standards. 
I'm not doing this, you know, for my health. I'm doing this because I'm passionate. Mm -hmm. I love my job. But at the same time, you know, I have, I have to sleep at night. I have to be able to go to sleep and know that I did the right thing and the best thing. Um, I do advocate for my clients, you know, fearlessly. I've known to really go in and go all in and not really care. And that is me, but I just, I can't do that for a get refuser or someone who was abusive. I'll give you a perfect example. I had a client, I'm not going to give too many details, obviously, because confidentiality, but I had a client, he happened to have been a male and he seemed great. You know, he was a professional doctor or lawyer, because I don't want to get it too, uh, too easy to figure out. Or podcaster, perhaps. Or, pro- of course, or a podcaster. Right. Yeah. Um, the the higher up professions there. Higher up, higher up. A lot of schooling. So everything seemed fine. It seemed kosher. It's not like I asked, you know, are you a get refuser or are you, did you abuse your wife or husband? It's not something I do. You kind of figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything seemed kosher. It seemed great. I got a call after I started representing him. Oh, and so in the, in the consultation, I said, are there any police records? Is there anything I need to know about? And he looked at me and goes, of course not. So I said, great, no problem. We're, we're ready to go. I get a call from numerous people saying, you don't know who you're representing. I said, no, he's so-and-so he's a big guy, like very nice, you know, great. He seems to be a great guy. What's the problem? They said, there's numerous police records about how he abused his wife. So I don't work on hearsay. If someone tells me that my client abused somebody, I don't listen because that means everyone, unfortunately in the divorce world, everyone's a child molester or an abuser. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing. You know, you can, you have to listen to your client. But when I heard that, my ears perked up. And I, so I confronted him and I said, listen. Well, also getting it from multiple sources is definitely a red flag. Exactly, it's definitely a red flag. So I said to him, listen, this is what I heard. Is it true? Because you know my policy. I'm very upfront about it. And he said, no, of course not. I would never. So I said, okay, great. You know, we'll see what happens. I'm lucky enough. I've noticed just sidebar in my practice that when people lie, it always comes out in the end anyway, you know, so I don't really have to worry about vetting my clients at some point it's going to come out. So fine. Um, Then somebody sent me the police records and I saw that he ripped her hair out. He broke her nose. I mean, crazy, crazy stuff. So then I dropped him. And some people would say, you know, how could you do that? You have to represent your client. Like you have to see it through, right? Yeah. You have to see it through. And I said, listen, <laughs> like I said before, I have to sleep at night. I deal with the craziest situations you could imagine, but I still have to sleep at night. And I'm, I, I just, I can't be that person. I just can't. I'd like to have my standards. I like to have my boundaries. You know, it's interesting because before when I asked you if you represented male clients and you said correctly, of course, I incorrectly had assumed you were working primarily for women because I thought that in the world of Lakewood and the world of Borough Park, I figured that men would want a Toain. But I guess that's not true. Is, is it very common for men to ask to have you represent them instead of a, yes. a male Toain? I think for a few reasons, yes. I think, number one, I think that, you know, I am very sensitive to my clients. They do know that I'm all in. You know, there are a lot of towings out there and I'm not speaking poorly about my colleagues. This is just the way they are. You know, it's a job. They do it. They go in, they fight, they leave. I'm when I'm in, I'm all in. Um, they know they're going to get 
excellent service. They know that I'm really, I know what I'm doing. I'm good. You know, not to toot my own horn. <laughs> no, that's okay. And, and I think also they know that, you know, I'm sensitive to them. You know, you're not going to get the level of sensitivity and professionalism from other towing. It's just not the way it is. You know, a woman does bring a certain aspect to two different things. You know, as much as we say we want to say we don't, we do. Um, so I think that's also very attractive to a lot of men. And also, if they're smart, a lot of times they purposely want a woman because it just looks better for optics. You know, what do you mean? Of course, I was a good husband. I even have a, <clears throat> I even have a Tawenis. It's strategically, it's very smart. Are there any specific cases that you found have been very problematic? Something that you, like cases that you as a Tawenis have dealt with that have been upsetting things that, not that you have a problem that you can't sleep at night, but that you oh. can't understand how other people sleep at night. Um, I mean, I, I've lost many nights of sleep because of the things that I've had to hear from my clients. I had one client who had to wear a diaper because of the sexual abuse that she went through from her husband. Um, I'm dealing now with a case that has become very public. There was a whole situation. He's not coming to Bezin. We're waiting this year of, um, but of course in the 25th hour, he decides he's going to come to Bezin. So I haven't released his name yet. However, if things go South, I will, but she, you know, he would want his quote unquote, his medicine or his quote unquote, you know, her job. And that was to sleep with him. So she sometimes wouldn't be able to go get groceries unless she slept with him or wouldn't be able to. What, what do you mean? Party. He wouldn't let her out of the house. He wouldn't give he wouldn't her money. Her out of the house. He wouldn't let her pick up the kids from school or he wouldn't give her money for groceries unless she had sex with him. Um, they were, t- there were times where he hit her wig. Um, and the car keys and her makeup. So she literally could not leave unless she slept with him. And besides the fact that he's actually a well-known child molester. Um, so I'm dealing with that right now. That has definitely kept me up at night just because the horrors that she's had to go through. Unfortunately, a big thing with male clients is parental alienation. It's something that they suffer from because a lot of times the women, sorry, my dog, a lot of- What's parental time, alienation? Parental alienation is when another parent alienates the child from the other parent, meaning they'll say, oh, you don't have to listen to Tati or mommy because, you know, I, I, I'm the one who's right. Or I'll decide when you, you know, have, you can go to Tati or, you know, I don't have to listen to the agreement or mm-hmm. um, you don't need to tell Tati about this. This is our secret or mm-hmm. I'm getting you these presents, but this is from me, not from Tati because he doesn't care about you. Uh-huh. Um those kind of things. And it's hard. It's a type of emotional abuse of the child, obviously. Correct. Um, unfortunately, men become victims of it very often because women just happen to have, in our world, happen to have more, um, number one, physical custody most of the time and more, they just see the kids more. So unfortunately, I have a lot of client, male clients who've fallen victim to it. And it is heartbreaking because not just abusive towards the father, it's abusive towards the children. Well, what can you as a Tawana do about that though? Is that something you could even bring to court? Is that something that could even be adjudicated? I've, I've, bring, I've brought it to Besden. I have many times. I've asked to fix the parenting schedule so the husband has, you know, the father sees the kids more mm-hmm. um, to so they can pask in that the child needs to go to therapy. Um, I've been involved in cases that it was too late and the kids already don't want anything to do with the father. And I have gone in to get a sock that reunification therapy needs to start. Reunification therapy is a the kind of therapy that they can kind of like almost re-get to know their parent. Um, I've had it with mothers as well, but mostly fathers. And it's, that keeps me up at night, you know, a lot of times. 
you know, some women would say to the children, you know, oh, I can't buy that because Tati hasn't given me child support this week. So you can't buy it. You can't get any toys, even though number one wouldn't even be true in a lot of cases. And it's just a way to emotionally they're like emotional terrorists. Let's talk about get refusal a little bit. Obviously, that's a very, very serious issue. The free Chava movement was a very big way of getting that out into the open. And yes. Do you see this as a problem that is getting worse, getting better, staying the same? What's your getting experience? Getting better. I do believe it's getting better. When we put Chava out there, when we, when the, quote unquote, the team and I decided to take this very public. You were involved in free Chava? Yeah. Okay. Um, when we decided to deal with that, we, number one, we noticed that, at least in my practice, a lot of men would run to give the get because they were scared of getting outed. Mm -hmm. Um, They were scared of protests. I had quite a few men call me and say, hi, I don't want to be looked at as a get refuser. I'd like to give the get immediately. So I had quite a few of those. I had quite a few Agunos get their gets because of it. So it changed a lot. And is that a direct result? Obviously that's free Chavo. You say it is getting better before free Chavo. Let's go back a year. Okay. Was are things already getting better or no, not so? It's a direct, not. Re- oh, not at all. It's a direct no. response to free Chava. Direct, I, I believe so. I, that's what I've seen in my practice. I mean, all signs point to that, yeah. I want to ask you about some of the issues you see as a Tawanet in Basedin. Sure. Are these problems or are some of the problems unique to the Orthodox community? When you talk about parental alienation, obviously that can happen whether you're Jewish or not. Are there some specific issues that come up aside from get refusal, that have to do directly with the fact that somebody is an Orthodox Jew, these are problems that come up, and the converse, are there some things that work much better because they're Orthodox Jews? Yes, there are a lot of problems because, you know, first of all, we live our lives very different than the rest of the world, clearly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So a lot of issues- I've noticed that. Yeah. (laughs) So a lot of our issues are unique to our community. For example, You know, in the non-Jewish world, if you go to court, it's pretty hard not to get 50-50 custody. It's pretty much almost impossible unless the father or mother is a child molester and it had to be, you know, child molesting in front of the other kids or drug abusing in front of the other kids. It's almost impossible. I think in the firm community, because we're more centered around family and we're more centered around like the child, the child stays with the mother, it is more common for women to have not sole physical custody, but most of the agreements in our communities look like the, you know, the father gets every other Shabbos and maybe one overnight a week. Whereas- in And the, that's it generally. That's it generally, unless they want more, but it just, because it's just not the standard, because think about it, men are running to shul three times a day. They're not home, you know, they're davening in shul and Shabbos. Well, what would happen if a father asked for it and said, no, I really want joint custody with the base and look yeah, at that no, and say- They would say, of course. They would say, fine. They wouldn't say joint custody, I don't think. Every time I've ever seen, anytime I've ever fought for somebody to get joint custody, the dime will say, listen, you're going into this, you know, saying you want to see the kids more, but after a week, you know, two weeks, you're going to get sick of it because you're used to your <laughs> wife doing everything. <laughs> so I've always come out and like, Honestly, I've always laughed quite. I'm known for laughing in Besden just because I was sometimes it's so ridiculous that I just crack up. I mean, so, the father might say, No, that's not true. I really want joint custody. Right. I'm sure really there are plenty of fathers who believe that. Yes. And they should have joint custody. Will Basin ever grant it? 
at least in your experience? In my experience, it depends on the Besden. That's part of, that's also part of my job. Part of my job is to know which Besden to bring each case to, because every Besden is different and every Besden is better for some things than others. So there are certain places, you know, we'll go for specific things. Okay. So that's a problem that's unique to the Orthodox community. Are there others that are similar? Yeah, like little things. Like I noticed that the expectations of men are much lower when it comes to the children. Um, what do you mean by that? Meaning if the father has the kids, you know, for a holiday, they're not expected to have their own clothes because they don't know how to, of course, they don't know how to shop for their children. <laughs> so the mother will be responsible for, you know, making sure the father has all the clothes. There won't be like a set of clothes at the father's house. There won't be two separate closets no, in each house like the with the kids' clothes. Right, not like the movies. So it's a little thing, but it's something I've noticed time and time again. It's actually indicative of a certain cultural way of thinking about yeah. things. It's quite interesting. Yeah. How about things in the Orthodox community in based in that are better because they're Orthodox, they're better because they're from, than it might be in a secular court? So there are a few things. Number one, as much as the Besden is intimidating for women and people have, you know, misconception has been, you know, women get the short end of the stick in Besden um, sometimes because, and that can, listen, I'm not saying that's not true. That is true. 100%. That is why I take my job so seriously because I have noticed that there are Bati did who will give the women the runaround because they don't know better. And the men just get the better deal. 100%. I've seen it myself. I've, really been um, active in making sure that doesn't happen. Not just to my, it's my clients that will not happen. That's number one. But to um, even other women, I just don't want that to be something, you know, a scenario. But sometimes they'll think the woman doesn't understand. She's not, she's not well learned in this situation. So we can just do whatever we want and take advantage. You know, I've seen women who get $75 a week for three kids. I mean, that's really ridiculous. Yeah, of that's course. Absurd. It's absurd, but I have, thank God, um, we're able to renegotiate divorce agreements, it's not like written in stone. So I do have a lot of clients who have become my clients because they want to reopen their divorce agreements and we just go to Besdid and we have a new tire on it. Okay. So let's hear some examples though, things that you might think in the from community that we're good at in Besdid. People oh, always right. complain about Besdid. I went on a tangent. No, that's fine. But people always complain about Besdid and- in many cases yeah. for good reason, but I want to hear reasons that we should celebrate Besdin. So we should celebrate Besdin because in some Bate Din, the women, it's the opposite, where the women are really looked out for because they're kind of like the lone species in there. Mm -hmm. So the Diana will take extra care to make sure they're taken care of. You're not going to get, comp very rarely in court are you going to get compensated for abuse, whereas the Besdin, a lot of times, if you're going to the right Besdin, will try to somehow compensate where it's be a better settlement or a better amount of child support for Tsar. That's something I argue very often. You're not, you're very rarely going to get that in court. And if you try to get it, it's very hard for it to actually happen. Right. Sorry, being uh, agony. Agony. Yeah. Sorry. For some women who don't want their husbands for whatever reason to have their children, it's great. <laughs> you know, there, there's always another side of the coin. I right. find who feel that their husbands are just not adequate fathers because for whatever, whatever reason, you know, they're drunks. I don't know. So they do happen to have more um, custody over their children. I see. So in that way, it can be very, like I said, it depends on the case. If it's my client who wants 
you know, the majority of physical custody, I know exactly where to go and who to deal with and what to say and vice versa. If there's a man who wants more, I know exactly where to go and what to say. And the Tawain on the other side accepts that? They obviously know the same thing. Yeah, but everyone has different relationships. Right. I hear that. The reason this is so fascinating to me is that there is a stereotype in Israel. I'm not saying it's fair, but mm-hmm. people who are running the based in are people think of them as out to lunch, biased towards men, not with it in terms of understanding how the world works. And the way you're describing the based in or the Bate Din that you deal with, you're saying, no, the ones you deal with are actually very open. And despite being in the yeshivish Hasidish world where stereotypically one might think that they're not open to the needs of women, to abuse, to talking about sexual abuse as actually a real thing, of believing that it actually exists. You're saying they're fully open to that. Am I understanding correctly? You're understanding correctly. But again, I'm speaking for the minority. There are only a few. There are plenty of Batidin who that are horrible and I wouldn't step foot in. You know, there's a famous Besdin in Muncie, um, it's called Rabbi, it's Rabbi Gassetner's Besdin. He is literally the Rav, the Dian of all the get refusers. He is literally the last, I, I would be rather be dead than go there. I, and and I'm, I mean that it, you know, he, he has been, I don't know if anyone or your listeners or, you know, who Mayor Kin is, he's a famous get refuser. I mean, he's been in the New York times. There's been articles about him. He's just a horrible person. He, there was a story that Israel wouldn't release his mother's body to be buried because until he gave the get he still didn't give the get he, like really crazy stuff and he has a rough who's backing him up yeah rabbi gestetner <laughs> this rough what's the rough thinking i mean i know you can't answer that but this is the base did what obviously he's not well does in he have mind, followers who are not get refusers or is it just a group no, of get refusers only, that's only, it? i mean i don't know if it's only get refusers i know it's people who are just sideways and crazy there are corrupt Besdins, you know, that's that's the whole point to make sure that you go to a Besdin that's best for your case. Have you ever dealt with a corrupt Besdin? Have you ever dealt with one that's actually corrupt and you yeah, had to deal with the ramifications? What do you do when that happens? Like, what do you say when you realize they're actually Fight corrupt? like hell, try and get out of the arbitration agreement. What does corrupt mean? Can you define corrupt? Does it mean they're just clueless or they actually get no. paid money? What there is corrupt? Is, there is clue. First of all, there are very, very clueless Besdins. <laughs> that's, but that's besides this. Corrupt could be um, they're speaking to both sides when they're not supposed to. They speak privately to both side, to one side or the other. You know, you can speak to the Besden privately <clears throat> if the other side agrees and they're also speaking to the Besden privately. But, you know, there are Besdens out there that they're not even allowed to. You know, the other side didn't give them permission and they still do it. And what's their motivation? Why are they just breaking halacha, breaking rules? Um, they might be very close with the towing. They might be, there might be family ties somewhere with the other side. You know, it could be their mother-in-law's sister and they're getting pressure from their own wife. You know, it's, it's crazy. They can have business dealings with the other side or the other side's family. They could be neighbors. You know, there's always something that could be done. That's why I do a lot of my own due diligence before I go anywhere. Now, you're obviously doing a lot for your clients. You're also providing a service that doesn't really exist in the United States because you're a Toenis. They right. said you're the only one. How do we have more? How can we do something to get more people to do what you're doing? I mean, that might not be good for your business, but it probably would no, be good it, for clients. No, it, it actually, it's the opposite. I, I, First of all, I would love it. Just as a woman, I would love it. It's needed. That's number one. Number two, putting my romanticizing the whole thing aside, I read somewhere, it was actually really funny that it's better to have like a lot than a little because it creates more, I don't know, more business, but I don't even care about that because 
thank God I am very, I'm very, very lucky. You know, I have clients who refer me to, you know, their friends and I, I thank God I am not worried about it. You encourage more women to go into the Toenis business. I mean, if you have the, the thick skin and you can handle it, yes, it's hard. It's not easy. You will not sleep. I barely see my family. That's like, I work 16 hour days easy without, you know, my bedtime is four in the morning. I get up early. If you can handle it, yes, go for it, please. It would make life easier for everybody, for the women, for men, for me, for, for even for the Batidin. But I don't even know, I don't even know how to tell somebody to do it. I mean, you need a legal background. You need a halakhic background. You need to know how to litigate. You need to be a creative out of the box thinker. I don't know what else. I wouldn't even know because it really fell on my lap. You know what I mean? It, I'm just was... surprised that there isn't a place, like for example in Israel, Nishmat, the seminary for right. women, they created the U.S. Halakha program because they saw there was a need, so they have a U.S. Halakha program. I'm sure there are places you can train to be a Toenet in Israel. It's not a problem. It's just something which is... A... There are, yeah. It would be wonderful if there would be an institution that would do the same thing for American Batedin. I would love that. Okay. But there's well, no school but there's no school for towings either. When you have a towing, is this usually just a rabbi who decides to go into the business to pick up some cash? Is that what this is? Or... No. They, I mean, maybe. Are they lawyers? No. I mean, some can be. But it's just guys who have really good Gemara Cup or guys who really know how to argue or kind of like the very from guys who would be lawyers, but because they're so, you know, because they don't have the English background, they become towings instead. You know? I've seen some brilliant minds i mean really brilliant minds who are told i mean just beyond i mean i always think if they weren't religious they would be all over the place in court always think that like this guy would be a top attorney on wall street hey Elbron, i appreciate your talk with me today this is really interesting and i think you're doing a really really important service and you realize that as well i have to say also that i received some messages this week saying that and this is not why I wanted you on the podcast. We raised this before this, telling me that your podcast is anti-from and anti-Hasidish. And oh! you're saying right now, I don't think that's true, but certainly it's nice to hear something positive that the Bate Din that you deal with are entirely, you said, universally welcoming yeah. and accepting and think and that I'm very proud is great. of that. I'm very, and I'm very proud to be, you know, my family's were Chabad and I'm very proud to be a Chabad woman that has been very accepted by yeshivish people, by Hasidim, by every gray area. I mean, I'm very proud. And I'm proud to say that because I want people to know that they've been accepting and very kind to me. Even if you get called a machshef, a daughter of moms there. Well, listen, I'll tell you what. <laughs> that I, The only reason I've been called that's from the other, you know, another towing when we're in the middle of, mm-hmm. you know, going at it. But yeah. that's okay. I told him his wife's challenge tastes like shit. <laughs> <laughs> A far worse insult, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, I feel like to him that was really bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, y'all, thank you for joining me today. I thank appreciate you for it. having me. Subscribe to The Orthodox Conundrum on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. Please visit jewishcoffeehouse.com for other episodes of The Orthodox Conundrum, as well as many other great podcasts, including Intimate Judaism, The Mamanides Minute, Chochmat Nashim, The Francisca Show, and Let My People Eat. I'd appreciate it if you go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review The Orthodox Conundrum. It takes literally two minutes. It's just giving a certain number of stars and writing one or two sentences. Please like The Orthodox Conundrum Podcast on Facebook and join our growing Facebook group, The Orthodox Conundrum Discussion Group, where you can feel free to discuss issues in orthodoxy in an honest and friendly environment. 
I hope you'll become a Jewish Coffeehouse patron on Patreon. Just click on the link in the description of this podcast, and you can get bonus episodes, Jewish Coffeehouse merch, and more. You'll get special episodes on all sorts of topics that are only available to subscribers, and you'll be helping Jewish Coffeehouse spread our message of a welcoming, intellectually engaged, and honest orthodoxy. Just join Patreon. It's only a couple of dollars a month, and you can stop anytime, so join today. Finally, do you have a message that needs to get out? Do you want to promote your business, your organization, or your cause? The best way is by producing a podcast, and Jewish Coffeehouse can make it happen. I have experience producing hundreds of podcasts, both for myself and for satisfied clients. Whether you want to learn everything you need in one day, or relax and record and let me do the heavy lifting, Jewish Coffeehouse Productions will work with you to make it happen and make it even better than you imagined. Let me help you today. Write to me at scott at jewishcoffeehouse.com or go to jewishcoffeehouse.com, click on Productions, and sign up for a free consultation. Make your voice heard, promote your cause, sell your product, and engage an audience now. I'm Scott Kahn. This has been the Orthodox Conundrum on jewishcoffeehouse.com. <laughs>